I'm Tracy Sable tonight on EWTN News Nightly, facing the music. For the first time, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin answers questions about his secret hospitalization last month and the United States moves in the Middle East. Stepping up, the European Union agrees to give Ukraine billions of dollars in aid for its fight against Russia. We have the latest. Show me the money. The House passes a bipartisan tax bill that boosts the child tax credit. But will it get Senate approval? We're on Capitol Hill and close to home. The faithful in Argentina prepare to welcome a new saint with familiar roots. These stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us on the Feast of St. Bridget of Ireland. Our top story tonight, President Joe Biden's defense secretary blasts the Houthi attacks in the Middle East as very irresponsible and illegal. Just today, Houthi rebels fired a ballistic missile at a container ship in the Red Sea. And late Wednesday, American fighter jets destroyed 10 Houthi drones that were prepared to launch. White House correspondent Owen Jensen reports. Owen. Tracy, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who recently underwent cancer surgery, said the goal is to continue to take away capability from the Houthis and added it's not a U.S. issue, but rather an international issue. While he emphasized the U.S. is not at war with Iran, he made this key demand of them as well. Video shows UK's Royal Navy successfully destroying a Houthi drone. And at the Pentagon today, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin says this is about freedom of navigation. There are others in the world that are watching this to see how, how serious we are about this. And we are serious. Uh, and, and again, our partners and allies are serious about it as well. Austin also says the Houthi attacks are costing countries and companies significant amounts of money, with commercial shipping traffic needing to be redirected. But the Houthis, uh, I mean, their activity needs to come to a halt, and we would call upon Iran to, uh, to quit or to cease supplying the Houthis with, uh, with these advanced conventional weapons that they've used <laughs> to attack ships in the, in the Red Sea and the Bab el-Mandeb. And while the U.S. considers its response to the recent deadly drone strike on U.S. troops by the Islamic resistance in Iraq, at the National Prayer Breakfast today on Capitol Hill... Our prayers continue to be with the families of the three American servicemen killed and attacked in the FOB in Jordan. President Biden also remembering those living in dire circumstances, including innocent men, women, and children. Not only do we pray for peace... We're actively working for peace, security, dignity for the Israeli people and the Palestinian people. Also today, President Biden issued a new executive order imposing sanctions on people who undermine peace in the West Bank, where many Palestinians live. The president writes, high levels of extremist settler violence, forced displacement of people in villages, and property destruction has reached intolerable levels and constitutes a serious threat to peace, security, and stability of the West Bank and Gaza, Israel, and the broader Middle East region. Now, President Biden, after the prayer breakfast, traveled to Michigan today to celebrate his recent endorsement by the United Auto Workers Union. It's a critical battleground street, of course, and has the nation's highest density of Arab Americans. And they are not pleased with his full-throated support of Israel in its war with Hamas.
at the White House. Owen Jensen, EWTN News Nightly. All right, let's bring in Claire Lopez, president of Lopez Liberty LLC. She has extensive knowledge when it comes to the subject of Iran and terrorism. Claire, good to be with you as always. A, a lot of moving parts here today. Uh, but first, I want to begin with the fallout from that drone attack that killed three American service members uh, in Jordan. The defense secretary of defense, that is, said it's time to take away even more capability from Iran-backed proxies. Claire, how can the U.S. accomplish that without widening the war in the Middle East? And, and what do you think should be done? You know, I think that it's been almost four days or more since that attack in the northeastern corner of Jordan, uh, which borders on there uh, at Syria and also Iraq. Four days. And what the United States government and our defense secretary are now broadcasting is, well, we need to, uh, to strike back somehow, um, but, you know, we're working on it and, uh, you know, we'll get to it. Broadcasting that we're going to fire back, giving them as much advance warning to get out of the way, uh, they being the, um, the Shiite uh, uh, proxy militias, uh, probably uh, Qatayb Hezbollah, among those of the Iraqi uh, resistance front, as they call them, get out of the way. And, uh, oh, yes, also, uh, the one that is actually uh, organizing and directing, arming, funding, training these Shiite Islamic Jihad militias is Iran. And any of their forces, uh, IRGC, Quds Force, that may be in the region, have had all the time in the world now to step away, to move away. What are we going to do? Hit some empty warehouses again? Yeah, and I want to talk about uh, the Houthis, specifically right now, the U.S. and the U.K. Uh, stage attacks on Yemen, as you know, bombing military storage sites, radar installations, and most recently, late last night, the U.S. military carried out new strikes against 10 drones. Claire, do you think these incremental attacks, I mean, are they a deterrent here? No, not at all. And the simple uh, evidence for that is that the attacks continue. Obviously, they're not deterred. The point here being that the actual sponsor of these Shiite militias, be they the Houthis or be they uh, the Shiite militias in Iraq and Syria, they are not deterred. They continue their attacks. And defensive action uh, against the incoming drones and missiles and so forth Okay, that that is good. We're glad that nothing, uh, you know, American uh, assets, naval uh, vessels in the region, other commercial shipping, uh, were not hit. But that doesn't deter anything. And the point being that the sponsor for all of this is Iran. Until the Iranian regime in Tehran itself feels the consequences for its sponsorship of these Islamic jihadi uh, terrorist organizations. Until it feels that response, personally, that is Iranian regime, the attacks won't stop. I could give one example very quickly here, and that is that the Iranians have had one of their own naval vessels um, positioned in the Gulf of Aden, off the coast of, of Yemen, all of these weeks, directing, uh, providing the intelligence for the Houthis and their attacks against shipping uh, in the region, Gulf of Aden, Red Sea, Babel Mandan. Claire, we Nobody are... touches the ship. Nobody does a thing about the ship. Yeah, Claire, we are almost out of time here. But really quickly, final thoughts. Where do you see this all going? I think that either the United States has to, yes, escalate. Escalate and cause 
the Iranian regime to take a pause because they themselves and their assets, their personnel, are being targeted, or this will continue. All right, we're going to leave it right there. Claire, always great to get your insights. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, now to Russia's war on Ukraine, where the beleaguered country is getting a much-needed lifeline from the European Union. All 27 leaders agreed to provide $54 billion for weeks. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban threatened to veto it, but in a surprising move, shifted his stance. Orban is close to Russian President Vladimir Putin. Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky welcomed the news. It is also really important that this decision was taken unanimously by all, all of you, all 27 member states. And it is yet uh, uh, another clear sign of your strong unity and support of Ukraine. Well, Ukraine also says that it sank a Russian ship using sea drones. Video shows the vessel being struck in the Black Sea during a nighttime attack. Meantime, the Kremlin says a Russian military plane shot down last month was struck by two U.S.-made Patriot missiles. The crash killed 74 people, including 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war who were on their way to be exchanged for Russian POWs. Uh, millions of working families in the U.S. may soon have more money in their pockets. House lawmakers overwhelmingly passed a $78 billion tax package that would temporarily expand the child tax credit, a provision several Catholic organizations have long sought as a pro-family and anti-poverty effort. Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales joins us now with the latest. Eric. Good evening, Tracy. You know, last night's vote was lopsided. More Democrats voted for the bill than Republicans. It's one of the few bipartisan bills that the House has been able to pass, not related to keeping the government open. House Speaker Mike Johnson touted it as a win for families and businesses. Lots of members are engaged on this. Lots of them uh, from the uh, pro-life caucus to everybody across the spectrum understand what this means for small businesses, uh, for all the great benefits that are in the bill. So what does it do? The bipartisan tax bill would beef up the child tax credit by increasing the maximum credit per child from $1,600 to $2,000 through 2025, adjusting for inflation in 2024 and 2025. The bill now heads to the Senate where it faces an uphill climb. Listen, I'm for the expansion of the child tax credit. I think it's important there be work requirements. I, I, I'm not in favor of a welfare program, but I think for working families, raising a kid is hard and it is more expensive than ever. Expanding the child tax credit, I think, is a mistake. Uh, about 25% fraud rate. It would make the deficit worse, and so I'm not for any kind of package that expands the child tax credit. Catholic Charities USA is praising the bill, calling it, quote, one incredibly important tool, part of the toolkit to break poverty in America. Even the U.S. bishops weighed in and wrote a letter to lawmakers stating the tax credit should include the poorest of the poor and mixed status families. Catholic Senator Bob Casey agrees. We help families directly and give them the help that they need to, to uh, raise their children usually means buying food, by the way. That's what the, the data, the research shows, that you can change the trajectory of a child's life. That's good for all of us. Bottom line, it could be a tough sell in the Senate. Another issue, some Republicans expressed to me that passing the bipartisan bill would give President Biden a major win in this election year. While Democrats balking on the idea of giving tax breaks to businesses. I'll continue to follow the latest developments. At the Capitol, Eric Rosales, EWTN, News Nightly.
And coming up later in the newscast, analysis of the child tax credit from the Heritage Foundation's Joel Griffith. Well, China is pushing back against FBI Director Christopher Wray's warning that the communist country is planning a cyber attack on the U.S. Uh, Beijing calls the accusations, quote, groundless and irresponsible. It also condemned the U.S. issuing sanctions against several Chinese companies. In testimony yesterday, the FBI director said hundreds of small office and home routers had been hijacked by Chinese hackers. The cyber terrorists also targeted water treatment plants as well as electrical grids. Well, we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including catastrophic collapse. The latest on a tragic accident at an airplane hangar in Idaho. And after weeks of protest, farmers and French officials come to an agreement. Welcome back. Three people are dead after an airplane hangar collapsed in Boise, Idaho. Officials say nearly a dozen people were injured and several are in critical condition. The hangar was being built near the Boise Airport. The cause of the collapse is under investigation. Uh, Missouri and Mississippi are trying to reduce the chances of pro-abortion measures reaching the ballot. The proposal in Mississippi would prevent an initiative getting on the state's ballot to change abortion laws. In Missouri, a similar process is underway in order to avoid a pro-abortion initiative currently gathering signatures. Abortion is illegal in both states with certain exceptions. And in Tennessee, a jury has convicted six pro-lifers of violating the FACE Act. In 2021, they had prayed and sang songs while blocking the entrance to an abortion business. Now they face nearly 11 years in prison and fines up to a quarter million dollars. Their lawyer says the pro-lifers are understandably disappointed in the guilty verdict. Well, as we mentioned earlier, lawmakers on Capitol Hill have advanced a measure long supported by pro-lifers and many Catholic organizations. But what exactly is the child tax credit and how many people could benefit? Joining us now with more is Joel Griffith, Economic Research Fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Joel, great to see you again. All right, let's talk more about this child tax credit. Who would qualify for it? You know, meaning do you have to belong to a certain income bracket? And what exactly is it? Is it a tax deduction or is it more like a stimulus check? Well, here's the issue with this so-called tax relief package that was passed last night by the House. It's a Trojan horse. It actually greatly expands the entitlement state and the welfare state. We keep hearing about the tax benefits to working families, but in actuality, 91.5% of these so-called tax benefits are actually welfare benefits. They're actually going to people who are not paying income taxes. And if you look at the really the core of this, it would actually triple the child tax credit for those who are earning less than $10,000 per year. It's a step towards universal basic income. And it also greatly weakens the work requirements that are involved with that credit. There's now a look back period, meaning that you could work one year and not work the next or vice versa and still qualify for this supposed tax relief, even though you're not paying any taxes. So, Joel, what are we saying here, though? Is this something that people automatically see um, in their checking accounts that they have direct deposit or are they getting a check? How, how is this working out? Do they take it off their taxes? What are they planning here? Yeah, this, this will come into effect when you file your taxes, whether you're paying taxes or not. If you pay taxes and you qualify for this credit, it'll operate basically as a partial refund. 
But the welfare component is where if you're not paying taxes, you still may receive thousands of dollars. It actually triples that level, uh, $10,000 for three children if you're earning right at around $10,000 per year. And here's another big problem with this. It'll actually allow those who are here illegally to qualify for this because you don't need a Social Security number to actually file for this. Only the dependents need the Social Security number. So this is going to be yet another incentive for individuals to come here illegally. What about folks, say, single moms? Um, what is? Do you know what the actual requirement is for you to get this benefit? Well, there'll, there'll be a, a phase in depending on your income, but for the additional child tax credit, that's where we're most concerned about because the additional child tax credit is not an actual tax refund or a tax deduction. That is a cash, basically a cash welfare benefit. And so we keep hearing about the expansion of the child tax credit component. That is just a small fraction. The 91.5% of this is actually an expansion of the welfare state. Uh, of course, Joel, as you know, this is not a done deal yet. It still has to pass the Senate. Uh, but previously mentioned, this does have bipartisan support. Uh, I don't hear a lot of support on your end for this. So what do you think we should be doing to help better help families in certain situations? Well, we have to ask ourselves, too, why is there such broad bipartisan support? You know, more Democrats than Republicans actually voted for this. And there's two big components. There's the welfare expansion. There's also a lot of cronious tax giveaways. Of course, lower taxes on businesses, lower taxes on research and, and development and allowing businesses to expense it immediately. That's a positive for the economy. But a big part of the tax cuts of this package are, all, are actually allowing companies to receive retroactive benefit for things they've already purchased in terms of research and development. That does not have any positive economic growth. So what we end up getting here is a permanent expansion of the welfare state in exchange for cronious, mainly cronious tax benefits and $155 billion of additional deficit spending over the next two years. You know, we're already suffering from the enormous spending growth in the last part of the Trump administration and then into the Biden administration with Democrats and Republicans both coming together to spend inordinate amounts of money. And we're suffering from that right now with higher inflation. Unfortunately, this so-called tax relief it's not truly tax relief. It's going to saddle us with yet more deficits, expand the welfare state, and give us a slew of cronious business benefits that will not yield economic growth. All right, y'all. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully next time we'll have better news to talk about. Thank you. All right, Francis, two major farmer farmers unions have announced that they will lift countrywide blockades. The move comes as France's new prime minister introduced measures aimed at protecting their livelihoods. The farmers had been protesting lower earnings, heavy regulation, and what they called unfair competition from abroad. Some advocates say that they will stay put on the roads another day to see if the government puts the commitments in writing. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, focus on freedom. Pope Francis releases his Latin message for 2024. We have a report from Rome. Plus, the faithful in Argentina prepared to celebrate a milestone achievement. released his prayer intention for the month of February. He is asking the faithful to pray for the terminally ill. Incurable e incuidable. Y no son lo mismo. 
In the video message, the Holy Father underlines that every sick person has the right to medical, spiritual, and human assistance. Reflecting on the importance of palliative care, Pope Francis reaffirms that it guarantees the sick will have human assistance and closeness. While the Holy Father is also turning his attention toward Lent, in a message to the faithful, Pope Francis says that we can get the most out of the time before Easter if we remember to regularly pause for prayer. He also reflects on the freedom offered by staying close to God. EWTN Vatican journalist Benjamin Crockett has more. Traditionally, Lent is a time to review our lives and to individually face the need for personal conversion. Through the desert, God leads us to freedom is the theme of Pope Francis's message for Lent that was presented this morning at the Holy See press office. In the message, the Holy Father focuses on freedom, emphasizing how Lent offers us the Word of God that is filled with the spirit of freedom. It is time to act, and in Lent, to act also means to pause. As Cardinal Michael Cherney explains to EWTN News Nightly, there are three key words in the message, slavery, freedom, and hope. The point is that these are words which, with which we can connect, we can discover how they play their role in our lives. And if we face our uh, enslavements, uh, we uh, can hope to hope again, which is to say we can hope to rise again with Christ at the end of, of Lent. Pope Francis also reminds the faithful that God shapes his people and he enables us to leave our slavery behind to experience a Passover from death to life. The exodus from slavery to freedom is no abstract journey. The Holy Father says, if our celebration of Lent is to be concrete, the first step is to desire to open our eyes to reality. The message also contains clear references to two encyclicals of the Pope, Laudato Si and Fratelli Tutti. The connection with, uh, with uh, Laudato Si, uh, I would say, is especially evident in the connections between things that we often don't recognize as connected, namely the connections between our slavery and the sufferings in this world. And Fratelli Tutti, finally, is uh, an encyclical of hope. It's an encyclical which orients us towards where we should be going, not only as Christians, not only as believers, but as societies. Lent will begin February 14th with Ash Wednesday and the traditional celebrations to be presided over by Pope Francis. It ends on Holy Thursday, March 28th. In Rome, Benjamin Crockett, EWTN News Nightly. And finally tonight, the faithful in Argentina are preparing for the canonization of the country's first female saint. A priest led the faithful in a celebration at a parish named after Mama Antula. She traveled Argentina by foot, spreading Ignatian spirituality after the Jesuits were expelled by the Spanish Empire. She will be canonized by Pope Francis, who is also from Argentina, on February 11th. Family, thank you for watching tonight. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.